Hi, this is Farah Osbeck. Welcome back to Military Law and Life Matters. Happy New Year in 2020. I cannot believe it's the year 2020. It's something just, you know, I remember it was the year 2000. Now it's 2020. So time certainly goes pretty quickly. Been busy over the holidays, um, having lots of people in my house, two kids back from school during winter break. Uh, my older son is in grad school. Um, he's studying science. Um, the cool thing about when you study science, by the way, if you go to grad school for any type of science degree, they you don't have to pay for it. It's free. As a matter of fact, you get paid. It's not a lot of money. So grad students are not really that wealthy at all. Um, they get enough to live on, to pay their rent and eat. And my son is actually pretty good. He's actually saved some money, but it's pretty cool. I, I And my younger son also is interested in science. So listening to them talk, uh, one thing about people studying science and millennials, they don't accept anything. I mean, they're, they question everything, which is good. I respect scientists because they're the ones that, you know, push humanity forward. They find different cures. They find, they do research on figuring out how to make people healthier, better, um, and yeah, I really do respect scientists. They, they not really recognize they're in like working in labs all day and, you know, just day in and day out experimenting and things usually don't go the way you want when you're in a, in a lab, when you're studying science and usually experiments fail. So it could be a little discouraging, but you know, they work hard at it and, you know, hopefully one day, um, yeah, they'll find something uh, in their experiments that will help humanity. Um, especially another thing I've been dealing with, I have a mom who I help care for. She's 88 and she's got Alzheimer's. So I certainly hope one day they find a cure, something for Alzheimer's because it affects a lot of us as we're, you know, living longer. And um, I'm seeing how it's, you know, definitely debilitated her. She's 88, but um, yeah, it's, it's really affects your brain and how you perceive things. So it will be wonderful one day in the future. Not sure if I'll live long enough to see that, but if there's a cure for it or, or some medicine that can help it, because right now there really isn't anything that can help it. They, they have some medicine that, you know, they say it slows it down, but I, I really kind of doubt that it's just something, you know, they try, they're experimenting with it. Anyway, that's what's going on. A little bit of a reason for my little de delay in, in not getting on with these series, but I'm excited to start. Um, actually, it's episode five. Yeah, I'm on episode five. And episode five is kind of getting to the nitty gritty of these upgrade discharge cases. And I want to talk to you. Oh, actually, let me tell you this. So one thing you should know if you're doing these cases um, Remember, there's a new forms that just came out in December, the DD2, DD-293 and DD-149. They're brand new, dated December 2019. So if you Google it, an old version might come up. So just go on the DOD website. That's what I always do because you know you're going to have the current one on the DOD website. You can just Google DOD instruction or DOD regulations. That website for DOD will come up and then there's a section that says forms and you just click on the forms, open it, save it, and you'll see the new form. It has basically the same things, but different ways you kind of type it in there. I think I guess they can't read the writing of <laughs> so when you like put the information electronically, it actually the name comes out in different blocks, but it's essentially the same stuff. But yeah, it's a good form, better form. So let me go to now really the gist of this podcast today, episode five is going to 
talk about the basis for the upgrade, right? We talked about the forms and how to fill out. But now here, like, why will your service upgrade your discharge? That's what we're going to talk about. And there's two bases. It's either inequity and propriety or error and justice. Okay. So again, I think I told you this, but just to let you know, inequity is what they use for the discharge review board. And um, I'm sorry, other way around. Impropriety is what the discharge review board uses. And inequity is what the uh, BCMR uses. It's just a different form. I mean, it sounds confusion. I actually wish they just had the same word. It just gets confusing using, interchanging the words. And then in uh, the DRB, if you're going to argue like a legal error, it's called impropriety. And in the BCMR, it's called injustice. So I'm going to try to stick to the ones um, that are mentioned for the boards. But in this case, this episode, I'm just going to talk about inequity or or, um, impropriety. Oh my God, I'm getting confused myself. Injustice. So in this one, I'm going to talk about inequity or injustice. Okay. So inequity, which would be for the discharge review board or injustice as they refer to in the BCMR. So what do you do? Okay. So how can you make a successful argument to the board? Okay. Remember again, I've talked about this, but the burden's on you. These boards don't have this obligation to go digging through stuff and finding things for you. You know, they might, if they see it like right off the bat, they might bring it up, but it's your job as the applicant to make an argument and show them it's the burden is on you as the veteran, the applicant to make the the argument that there is, I'm just going to use injustice here in this conversation to make it easy. Okay. To show the injustice in your case, because what the boards do is if you don't show them that, they just presume it was legal, everything was fine, it was just. I mean, they're not going to go digging around to see the errors. They're going to presume everything happened as it should have, as normally things do, honestly. Like mo- most of the time, things happen as they should have, but there are definitely errors. I mean, I've seen it in plenty of cases with my clients, I've seen it um, in reading about cases. So that's why they have these boards, because a mistake happens. So, how do you make a successful argument? Well, you have to tell the facts and circumstances surrounding the punishment you got. Again, you were discharged because you got some type of punishment, right? You either got an Article 15, you got an LOR, an LOC. You have to explain the circumstances of why was that unfair? Why was it unjust? Okay, what happened? Why did it happen? So you have to explain that. What's not going to work is if you just say, oh, I need the GI Bill. Please upgrade my discharge. It's been five years. I need the GI Bill. I can't get it with a general or OTH discharge. That's not going to work because that's not what the boards are set up for. They're not there to just upgrade it because you need the GI Bill or because you need a VA loan or because you need um, a general discharge at least because you went to the VA and they confirmed you have a service-connected disability, but you won't get benefits without at least a general discharge under honorable conditions. So if you say all that, that's not going to have them upgrade your discharge. I mean, you may, you could add it in there. That's not what they look at though. They look at your case. Was there an injustice in your case? Okay. So that's one of the, the reasons. Is there an injustice in your case? So forget about saying, I just upgrade my discharge on EGI bill. It's, it's going to be a waste of your time and everyone's time. Okay, so what do you, again, need to show? Well, you need to show the board that 
there was some reasonable excuse of why you did X, Y, or Z. It was like reasonable based on the circumstances. So that's what you have to focus on. There was a reasonable excuse that, and I'm going to go over a few examples to show that, but there was something very reasonable that caused this unfavorable discharge. Um, For example, let me give you an example. So what happens is, and I talk to a lot of people, and I know this for a fact, sometimes people have had some misconduct occur, and when they're getting discharged, they're just really fed up, they're tired, they're not thinking about two years later, they're going to have to get a job, and their DD-214 says general under honorable conditions or other than honorable, and it says misconduct. They're not thinking of that. They haven't even seen that form yet. You won't even see that form until after your discharge. They're just thinking of, I just want to get the heck out of here. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of what's going on. I need to get back to you know my home. And what happens is you waive your right to a lawyer. Sometimes you waive your right to even make a statement. Again, that's all foolish, but you're not thinking. You might be 18, you know, 20 years old. You're not thinking through this thing, which again, why it's important to see a lawyer. But you're not thinking of that, and you did not give an explanation of why things happen. So let me give you an example of perhaps, an, just as a made-up example of a reasonable excuse for something. Let's say you're in the, again, Air Force. You've been laid for work. For a period of, let's say, six weeks, you've been late for work consistently. And other than that, you've always been on time. But the six-week period, you've been late for work, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, up to a half hour. You don't want to tell your, for some reason, your first sergeant, your supervisor, commander, what's going on in your life. But for example, let's say you're married and your wife is pregnant and she's on bed rest and you're like ferrying her, you know, bringing her to different appointments because she cannot go on her own. She can't drive based on her sense of her medical condition. You're taking her and you just don't want to, for some reason, tell your supervisors this. So you're late for work. This is very obvious if later people look in your medical, her medical records you have to show she was pregnant at a certain time. You were late during the six-week six-week period of time, and it's due to that. Well, I think that's kind of... Re- Again, you know, you have to be at work on time, but I would think that's a, in my opinion, a reasonable excuse of why you were late. I think you should have probably told someone about it because I would think your supervisors would have been understanding or try to figure out a way to help you in that circumstance. But let's say you didn't, again, just for the sake of this example, you didn't tell anyone you're discharged now, three years later, you're having problems you know, getting a job, you can't use your GI bill, all the other things that come along with that. And you could make a statement. You could say it was unjust because this is really what happened. Now, just so you know, it's a lot better. Yeah, you could have your own statement, right? You can have your own statement explaining that and they might believe it. And, you know, I'm not saying it's not true, but it's always better to have other statements. So what would I do if I was helping someone with this case? Or what should you do? Well, if you want to prove that was the case, let's say you served for three years in the Air Force and for six weeks you had this issue due to your wife's uh, medical condition, et cetera, you can actually, you don't have to show all the details or medical records, but some evidence she was pregnant at the time and she was on bed rest, et cetera, that would certainly prove to me that that was the reason and you were taking her showing, you know, something showing she couldn't drive. So a lot of times when I look at cases, I think, you know, what would I, if I were a board member, what would I believe? Would I believe this? What would be more convincing? Just someone's statement or some other evidence or someone making a sworn statement saying, yeah, I remember like a coworker. I remember he would ask me sometimes he, if he can, you know, if I could take, drop her off at the hospital, like Think of a court case. What's more 
what's better evidence? One person's testimony saying they saw something happen or five people. So that's the, that's the crux of this. The more people you have to substantiate what you say makes your statement more credible. Yeah. I mean, you could hundred percent be telling the truth, but the board has to like weigh everything, look at everything. So that's kind of the injustice, something like that. You know, it was, I guess that was reasonable. You had something going on for some reason. You don't want to tell your supervisors and you have substantiation. And, and again, you served three years and all the rest, you had great EPRs, you had no other misconduct. You know, you have to look at everything. So these, this is not like guaranteed you're going to get your discharge upgraded. I'm just giving an example of the type of thing that can happen. But again, the board looks at everything. If you had other problems, Article 15 sort of things going on, maybe not, but you had a great record. And then during this one month to six week period during this crucial time, you had these issues that to me is reasonable, a reasonable explanation. So that's one example. Or let's say, again, I'll use another medical example. Um, you're, you know, you had a child that was, you know, having an operation. And again, you weren't taking maybe the child to appointments, but you were very stressed. Your 12-year-old son is getting a heart surgery. You're very stressed and your supervisor is driving you crazy. And you basically then, um, you know, snap back at him, just stressed due to obviously the anxiety you're having due to your son's surgery coming up and you get a 15 for being disrespectful. Again, you know, you shouldn't snap back, shouldn't do things like that, but under the circumstances, you know, that's a reasonable reason. Not, you know, maybe not, it's a reasonable reason of why you were acting the way you were. If during the rest of your two, four year career in the air force, you were doing great. It was this period you're under stress, you know, again, doesn't excuse people to do things like that, but it explains it. I mean, we're not robots, right? You know, human beings are not robots. And when there's external, you know, issues going on in their life or internal family issues, it causes us to act differently. So I think a reasonable, that's a reasonable excuse, reasonable explanation at least to what was going on. Again, your statement is good, but yeah, it would be a lot more helpful if you had other statements to back it up. Um, again, just try to like yourself, put yourself in the position. If you were a board member, would you believe what you're saying? Would you believe it? You know, it depends on the explanation and obviously you have to be truthful, but these are just kind of, um, these are, examples of things for the injustice we're talking about, right? The, the injustice. So I gave you just some examples um, and how, you know, you should try to back it up with some documentary evidence. You don't have to reveal, you know, all the personal things in the medical records, but enough that they, the board will have an idea. So another example of <coughs> an inequity um, is basically if the discharge was inconsistent with the standards of discipline at the time. So for me, I, I think of that as, let's say in the year 2012, you were discharged, you had a great record. You were in five years of a six-year enlistment, great EPRs, you know, won awards, senior and below the zone, but you then were drunk, you used marijuana once, and they gave you... Um, they actually preferred court-martial charges against you for use of marijuana. And instead of being court-martialed and convicted, because you admit you actually admitted to it. So at that point, probably not a good chance um, that you would be acquitted. I mean, could be, but and you also there's a urinalysis sample showing that you came up positive for marijuana. But they court-martialed you. And then when you request a chapter four, guess what? That's an automatic OTH. But then you bring up that in 2012. 
the going kind of punishment for art, for one time use of marijuana is a NJP article 15 and a discharge general discharge under all the conditions. If you could show that, that that's inconsistent, everyone else during that time got that again, assuming you had another misconduct, if you had other misconduct, perhaps in your records, then it could be evidence of why they decided to take you a court martial. But that's just an example as well. Another example is if there's a change in policy in the military, um, basically that then, so there's a change in policy after you were discharged for whatever happened, and then it's retroactive. So a very simple example is, remember the change in the don't ask, don't tell policy, and they were discharging people for homosexuality. Well, that's definitely applied retroactively. So if you apply to the to the boards, you can change, get your DD-214 changed to like secretarial authority rather than have, you know, that on your D214 if you don't want to show, well, first of all, it's unfair but you, and unjust, but you, you, know, you don't want to show people that that might discriminate against you. So that's another example. Another thing is um, basically that's actually referenced. There's DOD instruction 1332.28. There's a code of federal regulations, 32 CFR 70.9. And they just talk about other examples of inequity, such as um, those are basically those sites I gave you talk about discharge review board, you know, the standard. So they sometimes say that, um, okay, one of the reasons you have to, the board should look at the person's capability to serve evidence of factors such as family or personal problems. So again, I think this actually applies right to those two examples I gave you personal problems, like your son's having surgery, your wife is pregnant and you're taking her to medical appointments, et cetera, that, you know, your personal and family problems had a very direct impact on the misconduct. So it says these could be looked at as extenuation or mitigation, right? So this is definitely, mit in my opinion, it's mitigating. You weren't going out like gambling. You were taking, you know, you, you were your wife to a medical appointment. You were stressed out and told off your supervisor because you were um, stressed. So basically, that's the, you know, mitigation in this case. So, um, again, you know, not condoning that, but we're not robots and things happen. And, you know, hopefully people will understand that, you know, depending on what you actually said and what you did, hopefully you didn't do anything too, too bad. But, um, another thing is, okay. So th those regulations have something else. They also say arbitrary or capricious action. So if there's some evidence in your record that people in your chain of command did something like your commander acted arbitrary and capricious. Arbitrary means, you know, just really had no reason for what they did. It was just had no basis. So did you actually deserve to be discharged? Did the commander like overstep his bounds by discharging you based on what happened? Um, I actually saw a case that I, this, this fit this category to the T, um, you know, this is an example that I'm not telling you the name of the person, but someone was going to be medically discharged and right when the, they found out the command, and I'm not saying the commander did it, but I, someone in the chain of command, when they found out he's going to get a medical separation, he already had some misconduct though in his file. But as soon as they found out he had going to get a medical separation for a, a definite real medical issue he had, there was evidence from testimony of another person in that squadron that they, someone instruct, like look through the files for anything this guy did so we can give him punishment and discharge him. And that's what happened. I'll tell you in this case, the smoking gun that really nailed that convinced me. And I, you know, I looked at this, if I were a board member, I honestly would have been convinced by this. The smoking gun was, which 
I had told my client that, boy, this definitely would um, show that they were out to get him. They gave this person an NJP and they reduced him two ranks for something that was not serious whatsoever. I've never even seen unless... In my career in the Air Force, honestly, I can't even remember. I can count on a hand five, if that, instances of someone getting an NJP, right, article, and being reduced two ranks. Very unusual. And for what this person did to reduce him two ranks, it was, we're going to get this guy. We're going to screw him. And if he does end up getting that medical discharge or retirement or whatever, actually, no, in this case, he was going to get a retirement because it reach the 30% level. We don't want him to get a cent more than he should. It was a classic case. It was just so bad. And it really wasn't the commander, but the commander, they don't know every little thing going on. It was someone in the chain of command. And that's, that's a classic example of arbitrary capricious action. I, again, looking at this case, I would have upgraded because I believe the ends don't justify the means. So um, that, that's what that was. Oh, and then like discrimination. Okay. So if you could show again, you have to show and try to back it up again, in that case I mentioned, I mean, I had documentary evidence. I mean, there was evidence statements by people actually talking about that saying they knew that's what happened to him. So we had good, credible evidence backing up the applicant, um, in terms of what happened to substantiate or corroborate what he said. But but the actually the records were plain on its face. So it's not, you know, you look at the records, it was so, so obvious. So the other thing is discrimination. Like so you were in the military, let's say, and there was some EEO complaint, IG complaint you filed, and it was substantiated that something happened, but you were still then discharged. I mean that would be definitely some evidence of inequity. So to show that they were discriminating against you. So that would be more evidence of why they're taking this action against you. So that's another thing. And that's listed again in the DOD instruction in the Code of Federal Regulations. Um, so basically, that kind of covers that um, as far as, let me just see if I'm missing something here. Um, yeah, as I said, again, remember the burden's on you and you have to kind of show like what's the reasonable excuse for your misconduct. You have to articulate that and then back it up with substantiation, okay? So that's how you argue that. Now, I'm not talking about the legal impropriety yet, right? That's a different standard. There's two ways they could upgrade your discharge, one in inequity or one in impropriety. So the impropriety is um, the legal error, which I'm going to talk about in the next podcast. But this one, um, I'm talking about inequity. By the way, so the examples I used today had nothing to do with the PTSD um, MST, TBI, those Hegel, those memorand DOD memorandums that also give you another actual avenue to, um, I'm going to do that in like next, not the next podcast, the one after that. I'm going to then talk about how you can also argue inequity or injustice based on the, those memos that came out. Those are very crucial, but I want to make that a separate topic because that also can be used as a basis. For example, the nexus, like what was the reason, um, you know, you did what you did because of X, Y, and Z, PTSD. Again, don't want to get into that in detail right now, but that's the gist of it. So I hope that makes sense. Just trying to give you some ideas. Again, you got to be reasonable. This is not a case of, well, you really like put yourself in the board member's shoes. Would you believe you saying something? And I'm not saying what you're saying is not true, but you have to try to substantiate the best you can. It's just how it works. I mean, if you go in person and you don't have any witnesses and you go there, you swear to tell the truth, you, you know, you swear, 
testify under sworn testimony and you're credible and you answer all their questions, you know, maybe in person they'll find that enough. So there's no black and white answer to all this. It's just everything. It's all so based on everything in your record, based on how your career career was prior. I mean, if you've had other things in your record, that's not going to help your case, right? They're going to say, okay, well, you, yeah, he was said he was late for this because of his wife's pregnancy, but guess what? His you know first year in for the first three months, he was late as well. So that all has a bearing. So everything is considered and they look at all the totality and they try to figure out and you know they do try to figure out what's the right thing to do. So anyway, I hope that gives you some idea of how this all works. Um, great to be back. Again, next time I'm going to talk about the other factor, which is impropriety or legal error. And that's the other basis. That's not so common, but it does occur. And I'm going to give you some examples of how it occurred. And yeah, so look forward to talking to you next time. Again, hope you have a very good year um, of health, um, happiness in your life, contentment, and yeah, try to intentionally live your life. So you can live uh, that type of life. So look forward to talking to you next time. Take care.